Hi, welcome to Convos with the Euros. I'm Daniel. And I'm Carla. We are a married couple sharing weekly conversations about God, family, ministry, and everything in between. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, Carla. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's been a beautiful day so far, and I'm I'm excited for today's episode. I really am. I am, too, because we have someone who is very near and dear to our lives. Yes, we My. have a special guest with us today. Carla, who is it? You yeah, were about to say it, weren't you? I was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> My twin sister. Woo! Say hello, Paola. Hello. Hello, this everyone. is Paola Lopez. She is my twin sister and technically my little sister because I was born first. How how um how far apart are you guys? Like ten minutes, so it doesn't really count <laughs> at all. Nice. So it is a like lifelong debate because I asked my mom and she's literally like, I don't even know if anybody was counting. I don't remember. I'm like, great. All right. Yeah. It will never know. Is she sure? A hundred percent. I'm pretty sure she's not. Well, Technically, Carla was dying. She yeah, had the umbilical so, cord yeah. wrapped around her, and the doctors made a split-second decision. So I feel like it was rigged, okay? <laughs> it doesn't yes. count. Well, some of us are just really... Um, Opportunistic, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> they will do anything to get ahead. So <laughs> they, they, they have um, significant differences between the two of them um, and their features, but when... We first met. It was it was really difficult to tell them apart. I mean, yeah, I married one of them, but like in the beginning, I, I, that wasn't my intention. I, was, I didn't see them. I'm like, I'm gonna marry one of those. Um, I saw them and I was like, uh, which was which? I got confused a lot. So you guys are the the identical twinness is yes, is we are identical twins. And then another awesome thing is that my sister is also a minister she is a young woman woman in ministry yes she is single and she is an associate pastor of our congregation she is also uh the youth pastor at our congregation of overflow youth movement and she's an ordained minister of the assemblies of god yeah just this past week you got to go to miami and go through the whole ceremony of getting your official ordination to yes. ministry she went to a uh, party town and became an official ordained <laughs> minister that's what she we, did we, we we gotta reach the souls daniel <laughs> we gotta reach the souls she went down yeah. the strip with the whole the whole um the, the, the white collar and the white collar and everything just bringing bringing the holy spirit to miami no <laughs> come but, on yeah it was a really cool experience um you know you know you guys know my story but uh, we've been in ministry since we were like 14, 15 years old. And so it's always our goal to become ordained ministers or to become at least like certified and licensed. So, yeah, it was really cool to go back to Miami where we first got our certification and sort of kind of take that next step, become ordained. It was pretty cool. It was cool. full that's circle. That's cool. That's where yeah. it started off. Yeah. 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 So that's definitely something that we would like to talk about today, which is being a young person and being called to ministry and that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care how old you are. And we can see that in Jeremiah himself. I'm so sorry. Did you just say he is no respecter of persons? Yes. That's funny. Why? I've never heard it put that way before. I, I've always, <laughs> I grew up hearing that phrase. Yeah. And I like, and really? I think it's one of in the, Spanish. It's probably not really. How do you say yeah. it in Spanish? How do you say it in Spanish? El, el no es a, 
I don't know. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> it's something close like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, but like he, like a, you can look at Jeremiah, uh-huh. the prophet, and he was probably a teenager when he was mm-hmm. called, and he told God, "I'm too young and too small to yeah. take on this challenge that you're giving me." And God was like, "How dare you say that? Mm. If I'm the one who's called you, I'm the one who will equip you." That's so cool. that's that's what's yeah. going to bring us to today's topic. Yes, you guys, I definitely want to hear about young people in ministry. Now, Paola, you and I became young ministers with a special program that our district had. And for those of you who are listening, um, we are from Assemblies of God. Um, that's our council that our church belongs that's to. Right. Yeah. And where we grew up, you know, since we were teenagers, we came to Christ. At what age did you come to Christ, Paola? So we were probably like not even teenagers yet, but like maybe 12 when we first started. I wouldn't say getting curious, but we were exposed more to like the gospel, to Jesus, to church. And I think at 14, we made a final decision to say, you know what? We're going to become Christians. I want to serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. And from then on, we haven't stopped chasing after the Lord. So, yeah, we were definitely very young. But it was it was great to just do that at a young age and feel a calling and a pull to ministry from a young age. It wasn't just about, oh, I like church. It's, it's fun. For us, it was really about committing to a call in our lives. That's good. So then our district, which is the Florida Multicultural District, they started this program where you that we have Bible Institute and Assemblies of God. And after three years, you can start becoming yeah. uh, a full-blown minister. But they started a special program, and we were only right. how old? We were, I believe, 16 when we started. We were, um, we were yes. very young. Yeah, so we had actually um, a pastor at the church. He was a principal. We had a branch in our church where you could go and take Bible Institute there mm-hmm. with different teachers. And we had a pastor, Olguita, which I hope she listens to this, you know. Um, she's awesome. So she came up to me and my sister and our brother, we were all teenagers at the time. We were 16. He was probably around 18 or 19. And she said, hey, I think you guys have potential. You love the Lord. I see a passion in your life. And the district and basically the whole council for the first time is allowing teenagers to go into Bible Institute. Mm. And she was like, if you guys are interested, I would love for you guys to go in and get prepared. And so we did that. And after a year of being in Bible Institute, we got a special recognition for completing a year. And we weren't even 18 yet. So it was a, it was a big deal. We That's were part cool. of the first mm-hmm. young people of our district to do that. Now, that was have, over 10 years ago. Yeah. I have a question. Um, so, you know, like now in our district, we're kind of seeing that we just went to this um, to this convention uh, a few weeks ago. And we saw a lot of young ministers, you know, yeah. getting their credentials. We had you that was getting ordained. We had some that were uh, ascending to their licenship. Um, I didn't grow up in uh, in Assemblies of God or... So I, I, I didn't know about any of this up until mm-hmm. five years ago. So my question, did you guys see young ministers um, when you were growing up or when you were in the council in the beginning? Or is that like a new thing now? No, I, I, I felt we like when we, when we first started and felt that call of God. And it was really cool because at the time, the, the district youth director for the state of Florida like in that convention where we received like our young credentials after just one year of Mm -hmm. Bible Institute, he brought us up to the altar and placed these keys around us. And I had it for many years. I don't know where it is now, but I I still remember it. Even Mm -hmm. like what I was wearing that day, the feeling of being recognized in front of so many leaders and pastors and influential people. What was it? It was, and it was in that same hotel that we just were in Miami. No, what was it? For the young ministers. If you remember what you were wearing, what was it? <laughs> oh, <You're> so silly. <laughs> <laughs> we had a group. Uh, we wore black and white. Uh, not black and black white. And gray, gray and white. 
Okay. <laughs> Black and gray something will go with like that. that. Something yeah. in that spectrum. Okay. <laughs> so but, you guys didn't see many young ministers, so no. which is why no. they started that initiative. Yeah, yeah. they started that this initiative. Was, I mean, we're talking, we're turning 27 this year. We were 16. We had just turned 16. So this was almost over 10 years ago. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, so it was new. But so no, I didn't see a lot of young people, Mm-mm. but they were really pushing for young people to go into ministry and in our generation. Of course, we don't know before that because we weren't around, but like, I know that I didn't see a lot of ministers our age, but I saw got like a push from the spirit for that. And Mm -hmm. so people started really championing young people. That's cool. Like there was always a group, I would say like there were leaders, especially involved with the youth ministry, but I wouldn't say that any of them were doing anything to really prepare you know that whole thing about becoming a minister and really involving yourself in ministry it was new it was very very new that's cool okay and so i want to kind of continue on with your journey um about so you received at 16 17 your young minister credentials but that was after your first year of bible institute yeah. and um at least kind of where in our district there's up to four years of bible institute so then you go yeah. on to finish bible institute that's right um, and then what? So I finished, we did, we finished our three years of Bible Institute at 19. We get certified a few years later. We're both 24. We decide to move on to becoming licensed. And then I would say about a year and a half ago, I finished my fourth year and just got ordained. So it was definitely a long process. I think a lot of people How went many years year. to get to when, when you got ordained. So from the time that I, you know, seven, because I was 19 when I got certified up to the time that I finally took that step and become ordained. It was seven years because you have to waste um, a certain period of time to between each time that you so ascend into, you know, yeah. license. So it's two years in between. I wait a little bit more just because I was involved with church. You know, we were pastoring. So it was like, when am I going to do fourth year? When am I going to have the time? So I finally did it this year. But it's it takes time. I think that's something people need to know. And you ha- you don't start when it's convenient for you. Right. You know, if God calls you young, start young. You know, yeah. you don't have to wait to be a certain age. And I think that that's what happened with us. We just wanted to get involved and start learning and start growing. Yeah. And how how was the credentialing process? Because I, I think well, there might be some young people listening that are like, how do you even become a minister? Like, what is that? <laughs> what was that process like? Was it scary being so young, being a woman? Did you feel intimidated at all? Yeah. Yeah. So the credentialing process, like at least for the Assemblies of God, every council is different. Every denomination is different. But for the Assemblies of God, it was taking a test. You had to study for a test. You had to um And was apply. a test hard? It was, it was, I would say like 120 questions when we came certified, about 150 when we came licensed. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was, it was. Is that many questions? It's a lot of questions. I don't remember that. Yeah. And Daniel, you're um, certified. So I I think, I think that test is like, my, I think it is like 100 questions. And it's scary because Assemblies of God has 16 fundamental truths and you have to know them by heart. Memorize all of them. With Bible verses. With Bible verses. At least one backup verse. That. That's ridiculous. It was a lot. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. But it's good because I feel like people think, you know, oh, I have a call in my life, but I don't really have to do anything to prepare. I just kind of step up on stage and this start preaching. So wrong. There's so much to that. And becoming a minister is the greatest, I feel the greatest yes you can give to God because you're committing yourself, not just to your local church, but to a wider body of believers and ministers and leaders. Mm-hmm. That's, That's I think good. the biggest yes you can give God. That's yeah. Good. And like Paul tells Timothy at one point and, uh, I was going to, it's going to be a trigger warning here, but like Timothy was not circumcised and Timothy was a young man in the new Testament around the time of Paul who felt like he had a ministry. I mean, he was called by God and Paul became his mentor, but mm-hmm. Timothy was, a was a Greek descent 
anyways it was gentile descent and then also half jewish so to the jewish people he kind of got judged a little bit because he was not full-blown jewish so they were like he's not as holy and so paul kind of tells him in order for your ministry not to be hindered i'm gonna have to have you get circumcised yeah and he was grown man so uh timothy had to kind of submit himself to a process uh uncomfortable an uncomfortable Mm -hmm. process but it was so that his ministry would go unhindered so we do have to to be prepared and and go into ministry knowing that it is a sacrifice right right you have to to in a sense submit to um what's already been you know established that's right you don't want your your the message to be compromised Mm -hmm. in in any way yeah yeah so yeah yeah, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I don't think anybody, at least in our, we're millennials. Yeah, we're yeah. millennials. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're in our uh, mid to late 20s. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think it would be really prideful for us as young people, especially as young ministers, to think that, you know, we're just out here changing the game. You know, we mm-hmm. want to change what the church looks like. We want to change. You no, know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And we have to submit to those who have gone before us, yeah. who have a whole lot to teach us because they've gone there and come back and bought the T-shirt and they can tell us, mm. you know, the way of ministry and i think growing up i remember too i pastor um reverend evarito cava he used to sit down with us and tell us about the hardships of ministry oh my and goodness. because we were so young not even excited we used to get mad and we would tell each other later he's such a debbie downer negative <laughs> nelly you know ministry's great it's fun it's it's it is it's rewarding but it's very like it's a sacrifice life it, it is, is sacrifice unto the lord every day so i mean we have to listen to those voices that are telling us the realities of what it is to serve God in that capacity as a leader. Yeah. So I, I want to, I want to hear from both of you actually on this one. How were you mentored? Like as you are in your teens feeling like God is calling you to ministry. And I want to just say to anybody who's listening, it's not just ministry that God calls us to. He might be calling you to the film industry. He might be calling you to healthcare. He might be like he did for me for, for a season. I was like, "Ah, I need to be a nurse. Like that's what Mm -hmm. I have to do. We needed some really beautiful nurses out there. So he said, that's my true, true, (laughs) true, true. And don't you forget it. (laughs) No, but for real, like God might be calling you to different things, but so, but I, but specifically since we're speaking about ministry today, so a, a call to the local church or a call to missions or like a call to ministry who mentored you? Like what did they, what, what did that mentorship do for you and helping you to discover yeah. what God was calling you to do? Why do you want to hear from me? <laughs> I want to hear from both of you because I feel like all three of us are, are sitting here because yeah. like, like and to an extent said, we got kind of mentored by the same people, you know, to an extent we were all exposed yeah. to the same mentorship. Yeah. Mentorship. So I want to hear from both of you. So go ahead, Paola, and then I'll go. Oh, okay. You. Okay. Fine. So I, you know, just recently we heard oh, and his name is like escapes my mind but i remember um uh, in the conference we just went to he was speaking about the five people that every person has that mentored you ben gomez ben yeah, gomez yeah so was, yeah. i i when he said that i could literally as he was talking i was like i can name five people i'm not gonna name all five now but i think a big one was obviously our senior pastor when we were set 16 up you know until we became yeah. pastors and you know went into a campus church um so our pastor was a huge one he never ever closed the doors on young people like he said if you want to preach on a sunday here's the mic go preach mm-hmm. if you want to if you're leading worship like go lead worship and we were like 16 17 wild we barely knew the bible <laughs> we said all kinds of crazy things but i say like (laughs) mentorship isn't just sitting down with you and like drawing you a map and a picture and telling you this is how you do it it's sometimes just providing an opportunity so pastor was huge in providing opportunities um pastor he was actually reverend reverend i'm tony mendez he did get ordained ordained. yeah he went to be with the lord a few years ago but he was a huge part of it he was a youth pastor a worship leader 
uh, institute teacher at one point. <laughs> he um, wore many hats. Yeah, he was awesome. He uh, the sa- Same thing. He provided opportunities, encouragement. If we were too scared to go and preach, he's like, no, you got this. You can do this. Um, so he was the first one to ever hand me a mic and say, go lead worship and go preach as well. So I, I think, you know, those were the people that really pushed us. Our mom is huge. She's our pastor now. Um, she was someone who obviously from when we were younger and like serving God, not only was she pushing us, encouraging us, but she would go with us to youth conventions Mm -hmm. and she was part of the youth leadership and she never said no. Like she paid for Bible Institute for three years for us. We didn't have jobs. I mean, we're like teenagers in high school. So our Um, mom is a huge part of that. Want to make the disclaimer when she's saying um, us, she's not just talking about the twins. There's a third one. Yeah. She's also talking about her, her older brother, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. So all three of us are actually ministry still, you know, up into our late 20s. Ten years later, we're still in ministry. And our parents, I think, were huge to mentors because they taught us how to live the gospel outside of the four walls of the church because they lifted themselves. So we have that example. Um, and like I said, they financially supported everything we wanted to do for the mm-hmm. Lord. So um, for me, the the first would be my parents. Um, and I, I was about to say, especially my dad. But um, my dad in the house was the one who taught me how to, you know, really be bold mm-hmm. and, and be out there when it came to ministry. But the one who really instilled in me a love for the word of God was my mom. Um, I, I remember my dad would tell me that when they first got together before <laughs> before <laughs> before my dad fully came to Christ, that he would be sitting down. Um, or laying down in bed watching TV and my mom would be, you know, on her knees praying um, on the bed there uh, or, or preparing for a class. Um, so it would be both my parents um, that I would accredit, you know, a lot of my growth to or, you know, my my not not call to ministry, but um, that that inspiration. And then my senior my mom's senior pastor, Mariano Ayala, who's um in he's pastoring. At my mom's church, I would I would accredit a lot of it to him, um, mainly because he was the first one, like you guys were saying, who gave me an opportunity. Um, I was 17. I was 17. Um, already, uh, he gave me the youth ministry at the church. Um, I was uh, that's when I got certified as a minister of the Assemblies of God. And then he gave me the youth group. And I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I would meet with that man every week. Like, bro, I don't know what to do. And <laughs> it's funny because I'm picturing you talking to him right now. And he was blessed. Not blessed. I was about to say he was blessed with a sword. <laughs> like four, 14 years ago, they gave him a sword for the church's anniversary. I, I don't know why. It's a sword. Like it's a, like a it's like a prophetic thing. I think I think every pastor must have at least that. They have it hanging weird. over their chair in yeah. the office. All of them do. So when I'm picturing him right now, I'm picturing the huge silver sword on a mantle mm. right now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, I would say my parents, um, my my pastor or my mom's pastor, and um, there was one other person. No, no. Because, you know, there's a lot of other people in your lives that, that, are, give you yeah, that are there, like, alongside you, you know, in your journey. Like like that. But I, I would say it was just my parents and my mom's pastor. That's all that's all we really needed, you know, yeah. to to find. I, I'm so sorry. I'm about to talk too much right now. But that's all we felt we needed. Right. right. You know, our parents and then the pastor. Why is it that everybody's seeking out? 
Like uh, you can't four hundred million different counselors. D- like you're not wrong about that. Like for real, it's like oh, I, it's like uh, sometimes I walk into a convention, and I'm not. I didn't mean counselors. I meant uh, consejeros because I was trying to translate it in Spanish. Like um, mentors. Mentors. Um, I feel like you know we go to these conventions and we talk to the younger crowd mm-hmm. now, and they're like, oh, he's my mentor, and he's my mentor, and he's my mentor, and this pastor's my mentor, and this pastor's my mentor, and this yeah. pastor's my mentor. It's like if, if they're trying to be cool. You know, with how many people yeah. they have mentored, and, it, and it's awesome to have different people that you can pick their brains and be it like, is. "It's, it's I want to learn about this and I want to learn about that." But you need to have like key people in your life, yeah, that know you. Like mm-hmm. they they know you in private. <laughs> they know you're good. Yeah. They know you're bad, and they they have the authority. That's really important. Yeah. The authority to speak into your life. Yeah, that's good. If you got a hundred different voices, you're gonna have the only a hundred different opinions. Even if they're red pudding good in voices. your brain. Yeah, even if they're good voices, like if you have, because people differ in different points, and I think some like some mentors will speak into your life as much as, because some know more than others. You know, mm-hmm. your pastor knows you're good and you're bad, yeah. but then this other mentor that maybe doesn't go to your congregation or doesn't do life with you day to day, they don't really know certain things about your life which they can't speak into i think your pastor or people that actually like bump shoulders with you on a daily basis they can Mm -hmm. speak into your life because they know they really know you so i want to transition into this topic do you feel like as a young person that knows they have this call from god and is pursuing it have you met challenges because of your age um yeah absolutely i feel like you know People say a lot of things about millennials. Now they talk about Gen Z. But uh, growing up, people would say a lot of things about millennials. Mini- millennials are this. Millennials are Spoke that. Spoke mad smack about millennials. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah. And then they we did. were the hipsters. Yeah. yeah, the hipsters. Oh, my gosh. The hipster era, guys. When guys started wearing skinny jeans for the first time. It I was could never thing. wear skinny jeans. I'm too big. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it wasn't always yeah. the best look, for sure. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I definitely faced challenges. I think... Two, I was one of those young people that was really outspoken. Or sometimes we as, you know, when we're young and naive, we tend to think we know everything. So I was very outspoken, even <laughs> at Institute. Like, I had everybody looking at me like, this child needs to stop talking. But I was very outspoken, very curious, which is fine. I mean, I was young. It is it is what it is. But definitely I faced challenges feeling like I wasn't taken seriously. Or or maybe other people didn't take me seriously, but I didn't take myself seriously either. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, I feel yeah. like, oh, I'm, who yeah. am I to speak into someone's marriage? I'm 16, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that. But some of the challenges that come with it and timothy like we've been talking about timothy in the bible you know paul tells him don't let anyone look down on you because you're young commit yourself to teaching the word set the example and that'll speak for itself even though you're young Mm -hmm. your testimony will show people that yes you're young in age but mature in spirit i think that's the most important thing you can do okay carla what about you I feel like if I faced any challenges in being young, it was probably feelings of inadequacy and sometimes only one person. Cause I think for the most part, people were like very welcoming of like young people in mm-hmm. ministry. I mean, people received from us, you know, yeah. when we laid hands or when we preached and I was like, y'all don't even know. I got, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but like yeah. people would receive and receive us with love. But sometimes it took that one comment from that one not well-intentioned person that you still yeah. remember and like it 10 would, years later for real and it would like replay in your mind and replay in your mind and all these feelings of inadequacy inadequacy would just flood in and you're like what the heck am i doing man mm-hmm. like uh, you know and and all not only that ministry unfortunately like people hurt each other in church but people hurt people in and out of the church you know mm-hmm. so this you know just a little uh disclaimer out there 
you're gonna get hurt inside and out the church so go to church no but <laughs> but for real for real like i feel like just it would take one comment and it would just deflate me right. and and i was like oh they're all against me no there there are people who who i mean a new generation has to step up sooner or later no mm-hmm. one lives forever so sometimes we just let those those feelings of inadequacy overwhelm us right. and it's mm-hmm. kind of like i'm sorry if if you have to i was listening to actually another podcast today and i really recommend it. it's called that sounds fun by annie f downs awesome podcast but anyways she had someone on there who made a comment along the lines of god's calling is always greater so it, it's greater than you know who you are your past what if god's calling you to do something no one can can shut it down you know it's you, greater than your yeah, children yeah and, and if it's really if it truly is god i was being so sarcastic Wait, what did you say <laughs> i said it's greater than your children it's greater than your marriage absolutely not it's greater <laughs> no, 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 but, but there are priorities of course absolutely it's greater that. than that job go ahead and quit if you're listening and you no, think no, about no, it. no 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 <laughs> prophecy he's prophet line prophet oh, line up man. in here but no but for, for real just you know if god calls you he will equip you So I also want to ask you this. What advice do you have for young people that are feeling the pull from God to, to, to go into ministry? Yeah. Well, first things first, I don't know if it's a piece of advice, but I, I want to just remind like young people, God doesn't call us when it's convenient. He calls us when we're needed. Hmm, so if, like there's a need in your community, there's a need in your church, and you're looking at it and going, you know, I see the need, but I feel like everybody else is ignoring it or they're saying there's no resources or we can't, you know, there's nobody to fill it you know, step up and fill it. So that would be the first thing I, I would say. And I know um, we were talking earlier, like how did you know what your calling was? Who knows what their calling is? We're just here trying to just <laughs> trying like, to survive. yeah, just like, you know, we hear God speak on something and so we go and do it. But this idea of like, there's just this one calling for one person. Like, no, it's it doesn't work like that. It's just, you're there to fill needs and you're there to do the will of, the, of God. But for young people who feel called, one thing I would definitely say is be, get prepared. Mm-hmm. Don't wait to you get married don't wait till you're over 18 or oh let me finish uh college or let me finish high school first let me let me do this and then i'll come back to the calling like <laughs> it's never convenient it never is mm-hmm. you know years will go by and you're like man i was 16 i should have answered the call because now i'm 36 with five kids and it's a bit, a bit harder to go to institute and do all these mm-hmm. things so just get prepared um and i love says, what you said right there I- i'm sorry before you yeah. continue she said it's not always going to be convenient. Actually, it's never going to be Actually, convenient. It's never. <laughs> ever. I don't think it ever will so, be. So t- touch on that. Like, if you're going to follow the call of God, many times God is not too concerned about our convenience. Yeah, or he? your timing or your plans at all. You know, <laughs> I think all three of us sitting around this table have had to lay down dreams job opportunities, financial income in some, you know, way, shape or form, even put aside, you know, opportunities that we were offered, even ministerial opportunities, Mm because they were not part of what God was asking us to do. Yeah, like it wasn't lining up with what we knew, you know, Mm -hmm. God was asking us to do in the season. Right, even relationships, like, okay, this is not the person God wants me with, because God's telling me to do this. And it's, you know, I'm not being steered in that direction from this person. So it's, it's never convenient right. because our idea of convenience, our idea of a perfect life doesn't look anything like God's idea. Very distraught from what God's point of view is. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But but go on. Like, what are what are some other tips? Uh, you know, bits of advice that you have for yeah, young people. So I, I want to share Second Timothy two fifteen. It says, "Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling handling the word of truth means that you have studied it, that you have learned it. No, that's good. I think there's a lot of young people. Like, listen, you can go on Instagram and do a reel and say like five nuggets. And they're none of them biblical. Yes, they sound great, but they might not be biblical. I think it's important for young people nowadays. And we're the most biblically illiterate generation there is. That's facts. Yeah. So we're the most access to the <laughs> Bible. You can speak into With that if you want. the most access to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're there. I mean, we literally... So I remember when I came back from the missions trip and we kept in contact with some of the youth that were back in the country that we had visited and they didn't know about the Bible app and we told them about it. And I remember when they saw all the hundreds of translations that are in that app that is absolutely free and accessible to anybody with a smartphone. I remember they were like amazed. Do you know how much access we have to the Bible? And, you know, honestly, I hadn't seen it that way. Kids nowadays know they're not growing up with oh Jonah and the whale, David and the right. giant, um, and whatever. Like they're not growing up with any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't I, because they're, I don't know. They're just literate in the you know in terms of of knowing the scriptures, and that's um that's kind of crazy. Right, yeah. and they have so much access to the scriptures too. Right, and yeah. I don't know what translation you guys normally grew up with, but the one I grew up with was the fact that it was a big fish and not a whale. So I just wanted to make <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, Let, Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I forgot what we were just talking about right now. What were we talking so, about? So advice. Advice for oh, yes. young people. <laughs> Sorry. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, quite the rant. I, I, I would like to hear from you, Paula, as well. What is one bit of maybe like advice that you received that shaped you that's good and 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 following your your call to god you can give a few because i know that it's not Mm. always like the one that changed your life yeah like like what was Mm. that what was something that maybe like one of hitters yeah like what something your senior pastor told you and you were like "Ooh, ouch well i don't know if this is something someone said or i heard in a preaching or maybe it was a nugget somebody threw out and like wrecked my mind and it was if if what you're doing is making a lot of people around you happy it's probably not from god oh that's because usually the things that god calls us to do aggravate the flesh mm-hmm. you know aggravate people around us doing what god has called you to do is never gonna make everyone happy mm. and it's usually gonna make a lot of people uncomfortable that's and good. i think holiness does that yes you know let, let's talk about it because holiness is almost like taboo don't say that you know yeah. we yeah. don't want to offend anybody but when you when you're gonna follow god he will require holiness. The Bible yeah. says, be holy because I am holy. Mm-hmm. God speaking to us, mm-hmm. um, of course. But when you decide to walk and follow the call of God, mm-hmm. he's going to strip you. That's right. He's going to clean you. Mm-hmm. If, if you say you're following after the call of God, your attitudes have to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are very short-tempered, Jesus gonna Jesus gonna poke that 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 spot that you really don't yep. like touched, yeah. and he's gonna be like, hey, you gotta you, you gotta change this, man. Yeah. You gotta change this. You gotta change this. I can't use you when when, when you're limping from that limb. You you gotta do something about it. Mm-hmm. So God does require holiness, which all it is is God cleaning us of yeah maybe ways of thinking or like you know wrong mentalities that we have or bad attitudes that we have towards people that are not God honoring right. 
mental holiness is it's not just outward uh, you know appearance jesus himself mm-hmm. emphasizes over and over and over again circumcision of the heart is more mm-hmm. important it's obedience mm-hmm. that's all yeah. it is is being obedient and i remember like one time i was going to preach a message and i was talking about you know what pleases the lord and god spoke to me he said my love language is obedience people think that's like good. oh it's that's my love so language good. is really how good. much do i attend church well if i attend church every day god loves me or if i do this god loves me if i give money to the poor god loves me god is just wanting obedience mm-hmm. like if i speak will you respond god is not looking for impressive god is looking for useful can i use you that's good. you know how we have like stuff in our house that looks really nice and we hang it on the wall and it serves no purpose <laughs> Like it's just, or like, yeah, like, like for example, you have a shelf here and it's so small. All they hold is like some decorations. It really doesn't serve any purpose. And not even well, because that, that can falls off that shelf. Like every other day. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like rebuke in the name of Jesus. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like we, you know, that's sometimes how we are. We want to look impressive and we want to look, you know, cultured. And yes, oh my gosh, I'm so relevant. You know, I, I look like this and I, you know, people are attracted to me. I'm so talented. Mm-hmm. God just wants obedience. Yeah. Somebody he can use. Somebody that's he can say, hey, so good. go speak to that person and you're willing to. You're not, you know, you're obedient and you're humble and you're resilient and you're open to whatever God wants to do. Well, I think we sometimes forget that we are the tool and not the maker. Yeah, that's good. It's good. We forget that a lot. Um, we're not the architect. We're not. We're just the laborers. <laughs> we might just be the paper on which he's writing. Hmm. I'm about to go preach. Somebody give me come a on, mic. come on, come on. <laughs> but but it's so true. Like God, sometimes we have to put on the work boots, get our hands dirty, mm-hmm. and just do the thing in front of us. I think sometimes we're waiting for the next fancy thing. Or wait a minute, look at your local church. I'm pretty sure nobody wants to work with the kids, do they? Go mm-hmm. go help out. Yeah. You might just learn. I remember like in our season of of growing up in church and stuff like that. So our church at the time was smaller. Today it's thriving and, and much bigger church with staff and all these things. But And a gorgeous building. And a go- brand new gorgeous, gorgeous. building. I yeah. mean, super nice. And this is a church we grew up in and now we are actually, uh, we, we were sent out to a different campus that now is being pastored by our parents. Our parents. Yeah. But um, growing up in that church, we had to start off working in the nursery so we were in the, in the worship like we literally did like five things like mm. so we worked in the worship team yes we sang we played instruments we also worked with the, the nursery on yeah, sundays nursery. which were you know the tiny little babies and we just watched them during service I'm funny story so i had a little kid like in the middle so i'm here by myself with 12 babies which is like illegal right now <laughs> you should not do that but i was we by myself understaffed. listen we were understaffed no, nobody was getting paid nobody still gets paid and we've never we still don't get paid you know but it is what it is you just serve and i remember like i was by myself with 12 babies that were all you know four and under and this one kid took off his diaper and threw it at me and i think that's the moment oh. that i was like i don't think this is my calling but you know you're just, you're just there to serve <laughs> yeah but it was rough it was, was like 17 so taking care I don't of babies know you and it was the tiniest little room and it got so hot in there and i'm yes. so sorry about you know the experience that you guys grew up with because i i took care of the babies too sunday morning services I got paid ten dollars a service for real. Yes. So not cool, man. Not that was lunch. Right Our church there. couldn't afford that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> that was lunch right there. I would least. get paid ten dollars a, <laughs> a service to, to take care of the kids, and then I go and buy empanadillas from them afterwards. So I cycled through Spoiled. the church. It wasn't. They were wow. no. They were. They were just. They knew what they were doing. That you know, a chunky <laughs> he knew boy. He knew he was spending back at the church. Getting ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a. Buy. And then he goes spend it on a the fundraiser. Pro templo. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, but for real. Then we went. So on Sundays, and and we actually went over this because. Uh, 
um, Christina, we interviewed Christina, who's been um, Paola's and I's friend for like 10 years. Yeah. We would do nursery in the mornings, worship. Uh, we did Bible studies. We did the youth retreat. We did everything. Evangelism too. We did so much. And it was trucks. not fun. There was some days I'm like, this is too much. Yeah. But like in that season, we were able mm-hmm. to do it. So like we, what teenager wants out. to get up early on a Saturday morning and go like distribute tracks and, you know, do car washes go and wash drive cars, through prayers. Yeah. And we're from Florida. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you didn't want to go to yeah. hell, man. You're like, if it's this hot out here, in Florida, I can do this for eternity. No, <laughs> but it was it was seasons of sacrifice. And I think you yeah. reap the fruits, even if it's a decade later, you're going to reap the fruits. Later. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Paula, we always ask all of our guests to leave us with a prayer for our listeners so yes. real quick will you say a prayer for all those young people who are feeling a call yeah. from god to whatever it is is it music is it you know working in a church being a pastor uh mentoring younger people going to overseas mission whatever it is whatever need they're trying to fill in this generation yeah i'm just gonna pray like for passion you know that you would be so passionate and so bold you know this generation needs young people Yes. You're the answer. You're the answer to the prayer. You know, you're the, you're the generation of today. So, yeah, let's pray, man. Yes. So, uh, Father, we just come before you, God. I thank you for this time that we've had together. I thank you for the people that you're going to bring to us, Lord Jesus, that you're going to surround us with, Lord, to pour into them. I pray for the young people that might be listening. I pray, God, in this moment that they would have an encounter with you. That the calling that they're receiving isn't a calling that's coming externally, but it's a calling that's coming from within, from your spirit. I pray that you put passions and desires in each one of them. And if there's fear to step out and do it, if even if even there's opposition, I pray, God, that in this moment, you would just prepare their hearts. You would just work in their minds. And I also pray for wisdom. Because passion without wisdom, God, is it can be destructive. So I pray, my God, for young people that are passionate, but also seeking out wisdom and counsel. And that they will be so full of your spirit and your word, my God, that they will be effective in the calling, Lord, that you've placed on their lives. I pray for a generation that will be so bold and so in love with you, that they will be unstoppable. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Baha'u'llah, for joining us today. Thank you. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.